Hello guys and welcome back to another episode of Retired College Athletes. I'm your host, Sydney Umeri, and today we're chatting with Reagan Russ, the founder of Female Athlete Society. Female Athlete Society is a community for all female athletes to get resources and connect with other athletes from around the world. I've been following that platform for so long and I've really enjoyed it, so of course I had to bring her on today. We chat with her all about her platform and also her experience going through college athletics. She played ice hockey and had a very interesting recruiting process as well as she transferred. And so kind of just getting into the nitty gritty of why she transferred and for people who are kind of losing the love for their sport because they're in a program that's not supporting them very well, we'll get into all of that. But with that said, let's go ahead and jump in and I can't wait to talk to you guys on the other side. recruiting process is kind of long um, <laughs> because I'm from Mississippi and nobody plays ice hockey there so that was one reason that I got overlooked a lot um, and my mom was driving me to Pittsburgh 12 hours away from home 12 hours back almost every other weekend um, I did a lot of recruiting tournaments you know like in the summertime and it just felt like I was not getting the looks that I wanted so like you know the day rolls by and it's like that was it sophomore year of the summer and you're like oh I can't wait to get all these emails <laughs> and then maybe like one or two come and I'm like oh that's not good right, <laughs> so, right. so what do I do now <laughs> <laughs> um and then I like played through my junior season and I was like performing really well because I was like maybe 16 year old 16 playing with like 19 year olds okay. um and like my freshman year, I played 14U, and then I went right to 19U, um, AAA hockey. And so that was, like, kind of a shock, and maybe that was, like, another reason because I wasn't playing with people in my age group. It was junior year, end of summer, so about to go into my senior year, and I was playing in one of those recruiting tournaments in Boston, and my coach was like, does anyone want to play defense? Like, we're low on D, and I'm usually a four, and I was like, sure, like, I'll do it. Sounds good. And that game, they actually, RIT ended up watching me play because they're like, we should go watch another team that we've never really seen. And uh, apparently I was an offensive defenseman and that's what they liked about me. Little did they know I was actually offense. Right. Anyways, uh, so worked out my favor. It was like good luck timing. And then I think I had a call with them maybe that week. And then I went for my recruiting trip and I was like, yep, I'm coming here. I want to play gotcha. one. I'll take, I'll take it. Wow. Okay. So First of all, you're from Mississippi, like mm-hmm. playing ice hockey. <laughs> Tell me about, I mean, you talked about it a little bit, like the just driving, having to drive. But like if someone was in a similar situation as you, because I know like I, I've interviewed other people in the podcast who were into beach volleyball, but they're in Georgia. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, really, you need to probably be in California if you want to get the best recruiting. So like, yeah. what advice would you give to somebody who's in a similar situation as you? If depending on like the sport they play for ice hockey, it's a really good idea to go to prep school. Um, Especially if like, I only had one rink, like one single ice sheet in my entire state. And so like I was splitting time with the semi pros. I was splitting time with travel teams, rec leagues, men's league, everything all had to fit on one sheet. So when I was growing up, I only got maybe an hour or two of ice time each month. So for like five years of my life, I had that. 
And if you can move somewhere else, like if you're fortunate enough, like if your parents have the money or if you can go to prep school, highly recommend that. Um, but if not, like I see so many people now posting videos on Instagram or on YouTube and like creating accounts to showcase like their abilities. I think that's genius, especially because social media is so big and all the coaches are on there. So definitely like putting yourself out there and showing them what you can do. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, yeah, just I think prep school is a good way to go for, for a, a few sports, but definitely hockey, mm-hmm. I think so too. Um, I'd love to kind of get into your time in college uh, at your first school. So was it what you expected? What was going on at that moment in time? Because I know you ended up transferring. So kind of just walk us through mm-hmm. what happened there. I think it's really hard to know what to expect when you go to college because mm-hmm. people talk about like the good stuff, but they don't talk about the bad so much. Um, I did love my time, especially like my freshman year when like everything was super new. I was meeting all these people. I was going to like the soccer, softball, baseball, like everybody, like every athlete, I knew them all because I just wanted to be friends with everyone. And so like, that was a lot of fun. And I think like even playing D1, regardless of our losing season was a blast there. Um, but like when you have someone at the top, AKA like a coach or like a leader on the team that is kind of toxic and doesn't create like the right culture. I think that makes it really hard, not just for like me personally, but it made it hard for everyone on the team. Like it it dwindled down into like our team culture, like how we treated each other. And so like, that was the hardest part for me. Um, And like when I left, obviously, like I said, it was about academics and like all that stuff, but it, it's hard. um, Like having that conversation with like a coach that's not super reasonable and um now that I like I'm removed from it, I feel like more comfortable saying that, but yeah, I ended up transferring just because of like how he treated not just me, but like the other players, the things that he would say, like weren't acceptable. Like this is just the most random example, but one time he yelled at a girl on the bench because she farted. Oh my and gosh. What? Yes. And we we're just like, we thought he was joking. And then we go into the locker room. We're all joking about it. Like, this is hilarious. Ha ha. We're like down maybe one or two goals And he comes in and he yells at us and says, the reason we're losing is because of you, the girl that farted. farted. (laughs) Yes. And everyone's just like, is he serious right now? Like, what is his deal? But like, he would bag skate us like no other. If we missed a pass, everyone on the line, we're just like, it, it like made us scared to mess up. And so like, I didn't like that aspect of it. Yeah. So I was in a similar situation at my first school as well. I transferred as well as a graduate transfer. Um, But yeah, just like, I think it's really bad when you are afraid to mess up because that is sports. Like that's Mm -hmm. like the other 50% of sports. Like it's the team that messes up the least. It's a team that, you know, um, that will win, but like messing up is part of the game. And Mm -hmm. so it can get really toxic when you feel like you have to be perfect because that's not even like a realistic goal. Um, Mm -hmm. how did your other teammates feel like, did they also transfer? Cause I know we had a big transfer pool and it didn't like, I think to me, it's like, if you were looking at our team, you could realize that things were wrong, but I feel like people Mm -hmm. were kind of turning a blind eye, but like, of course, if you were on the team, you knew what was happening. And so did your other teammates look to transfer too, or was it just kind of like, I need to get out. I'm going to be the only one. See you guys. Mm -hmm. There were other girls that wanted to transfer and some of them were kind of scared and obviously understandable like our we were maybe second to last or last place in the entire country so like that makes it a little bit more difficult to want to transfer but like after my sophomore year I was like I've had enough like I cannot stay and there was other girls that like had asked me 
about what I'd done. There's still girls that reach out to me asking like, Hey, how did you transfer out? And it's, it's so sad to like see that, but yeah, there's definitely a ton of girls that wanted to leave. Yeah. And did, um, that whole situation change your love for your sport? Cause I know that's a big thing that people deal with. I know for me, I like, I think basketball is great. Like I used to really love basketball, but like that experience in college, I have to say ruined it for me. Like I was never mm-hmm. the same after that. And I, st- I still don't love the sport the same way. I think part of it is now like I'm older and I don't play full time anymore. Yeah. Um, but it definitely like ch- jaded my thoughts around basketball and like playing. So how did that uh, like work out for you? Oh my goodness. I felt the same way as you. Um, I think when I went to BU, so like I took maybe two weeks off and then I jumped right into summer school at Boston University and I was having trouble sleeping. Like I realized that I suffered from PTSD from like all of like the stuff that he had said to me, the way he treated us, the way like my teammates had treated me, like all those things came together. And so like for a while, like I got really depressed, suicidal, all that stuff at BU, not because of my teammates there, but because of what had already happened. And so like, it took me maybe like a year and a half to get that all back together. So like, maybe I was enjoying it like my last half of my senior year, but like, obviously like I loved the competition. That was the only thing that kept me going is like, I just wanted to compete and like try to be the best, but mm-hmm. yeah, it jaded me for a while. And even like now into my professional career, I'm just, I get it sometimes. I'm like, why am I still playing? <laughs> right. Right. Oh man. I love the fact that you mentioned PTSD, not because it's like a great thing, but because it's like, it's so real. Um, I did some research and we've kind of talked about it on retired college athletes, like that PTSD for athletes does exist. It, it's like, not just, um, I mean, you can just definitely experience that. And so, um, but it's interesting. All the research talks about, or the majority of the research talks about PTSD for like injured athletes, which makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Like if you go through a hard injury coming back and like trying to work through that mentally is very tough. What I was sad to see was that there's not a lot of research around the PTSD that happens just from being an athlete in like programs that aren't the best for you. And mm-hmm. hearing you talk about that, knowing my story and he- having heard a lot of people's stories, I feel like there's a lot there that can be researched. And I don't know how you would go and collect that kind of data because it's pretty anecdotal and like, you know, it's not like mm-hmm. legitimate data, but it's definitely there. And so for anybody who feels that way and feels like they're a little crazy for feeling that way because we are at whatever program and it's not working out for you. You're not the only one that's definitely happened before, but fortunately you were Mm -hmm. able to transfer. What was that transfer process like in the sense of you talked about how you were experiencing PTSD while you were there, but at the same time, you're also transitioning into a new program, new people, new school. Like how was all of that? Yeah. And it was like a huge city. (laughs) Rochester, New York, isn't even on the signs when you're driving, like on the highway, it just says Syracuse and Buffalo. (laughs) So then there's, I'm coming to like Boston and um, I was super excited. So like, that was one thing that kept me going, but I didn't know anyone on the team. Um, And like, I met them briefly whenever I did my official visit, but everything was like brand new and it was really hard. Like I am a person that's been to five different high schools, two different universities, but like that transition was maybe one of the hardest that I've had to do. I'm not, I, I think it would be kind of because of like that PTSD that I was reliving so much, mm-hmm. but also like 
was in a long distance relationship. Like the school is twice as hard. Like you're getting into junior year. Junior year is like when you're taking all of those super hard classes and it is not a breeze whatsoever. So right, like, right. Um, it was still nice at the same time. Like I'm super grateful for my teammates that I had there because like if I did not have them, I would not have survived that year. Mm-hmm. Um, they made it like super clear and evident that I could come to them for anything. And same with the coaching staff. Um, I talked to my trainer a lot that did strength training for us. And I'd go sit there and like, sometimes I'll just break down crying and she would comfort me and like, tell me that it's okay. Like what I'm feeling is valid and all of that. Um, right. It definitely helped having a therapist too, during that transition time. Cause you just got to let that stuff out. But overall, not so smooth. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. Um, and the, I like the part that you mentioned around therapy. Cause I know I tapped into sports psychology while I was in school and counseling, wherever it was available. Um, Was that Mm -hmm. available to you through the school where you didn't have to pay or like, what were your resources around that? So it was actually really tough to get resources through the school because BU was so big. And I remember the day that I was feeling really suicidal. Like I went and I was like, I really need help today. Like, this is exactly what I'm feeling. And they're like, well, we can help you, but we can't help you long-term. And that was just like, not what I needed to hear in the moment. I was like, so you can't help me? Yeah, I was like, I never went back after that, which is sad to say, but like, thankfully, like my mom's um, company had like five free sessions or something for therapy. Mm -hmm. So I I took hold of those and then I paid out of pocket after that. But yeah, that like that adds up super quick. And when you're a broke college student, like that sucks. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's like, but what is the alternative, which I think is crazy that that's why like all schools for all athletes should definitely provide these resources. I know the amount of money I've spent on my mental health, even post-college because of everything that's happened. Like this is the aftermath of me trying to work through the traumas of what's happened. It's been expensive. Like I'm pretty sure I've spent close to $10,000. Like, I mean, honestly, maybe even a little bit more just trying to get myself together. So it definitely gets expensive. And like when you're in school, like with no opportunity to really make money, that's just a huge setback. And that's probably even more stressful than like, or just adds to the stress of the situation. So I wish yeah. that all schools would just provide that resource. Cause it's kind of like having a strength and conditioning coach or a legit, mm-hmm. legitimate coach for your team. Like you need, you just need it, you know? It's so necessary. I think uh, I did a little bit of research into like what schools have what, and one of the best schools that I've seen so far is Ohio state. Cause they have four full-time staff, which crazy, like, obviously that's a lot of money, but like the way that they do it, they like have seminars, they go talk to teams, they have open office hours. I'm like, that's so needed. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I've talked to a few different people and I know, like, I think at UNC, um, it was available, but it wasn't like, it was like your coach would know or something like that, which is like mm-hmm. a little touchy. You don't always want your coach yeah. to know. I know I will say at UVA, um, they had I believe two full-time staffers and your coach wouldn't know. I was in there like every, I mean, every week. And that's yeah. like one of the reasons why I was able to get through that season of my life because it, I mean, I just needed, I needed help. Like I couldn't do that alone. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot. And so I have to say they did a great job providing those resources and I'm sure they still do. Um, and then like Kansas, that's the other place I went to. I tapped into CAPS, which is just kind of like the counseling for the school and the mm-hmm. athletic department paid for it. So like only our, director would know that I went and it would just be on the bill and, you know, just be paid. But that's so nice. yeah, it's nice. <laughs> it's definitely more expensive now that I'm paying like for everything. Uh, but yeah, and that's like, same here. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, that's a conversation for another day. I'd love to get into So I actually, I, I followed your platform for a while, but I came across your TikTok where you were talking about transferring a girl 
had kind of just mentioned how it wasn't going well on her team. And you came in and honestly, like so well put, like what was happening, what happened for you, um, and which I will link that in the description of this podcast. But can you talk a little bit about like that podcast, uh, that um, TikTok, what inspired you to do it and like the heart behind it? Because I was like, yes, like this is so relatable. So I, I actually started my TikTok last year as a joke. Um, just to like see if I could grow it, see like what I could do with it. And so it started out more so as um, like a hockey TikTok. Mm-hmm. And then when I got back from Budapest, because my season got cut short, um, I was like, okay, hey, I'm going to go full in on this. Like I want to help female athletes, like not only with like mental health, but like finding the resources, understanding nutrition, working on all that stuff. And then I, I wanted to create that platform. So I put it out to see if anyone would want or like be interested in it. And so um, I think that TikTok got like 120,000 likes from female athletes all over the world, sending me messages. And so then like I started gearing all of my posts more towards those female athletes. And so like anytime I see a post like that, I just start answering them or like giving my side of it just because it feels good to know that you're not alone and that someone else is going through it. So like I try to be as open with my experiences as possible, but like over the past year, maybe 3000 girls have reached out to me asking for advice <laughs> so yeah and I mean I of course will link your TikTok down below because it's uh I mean like it's true like people want to know that they're not alone uh just because we graduated doesn't mean the same things don't apply or, or aren't still mm-hmm. happening and so it's it's interesting um I think like there are you know issues that are unique to women like women in women's sports but then there are just issues that like we all kind of deal with throughout Mm -hmm. just being elite athletes at the collegiate level. And it's just nice to know that someone else has been there and gotten through it and that they can too. Yeah, exactly. Can you spend some time talking about your platform though? Um, You've had, I don't know, how long have you had your Instagram for Female Athlete Society? I started that January. Really? Okay. It has grown and I can tell, I mean, of course I can know, I know why, like great content. And so um, what inspired you to start that? Like I was saying, when I posted that, it was about helping female athletes. And I said, I think it was like about helping them balance school or, um, managing relationships, all that stuff, or like getting recruited to play like a D one sport. And that's like why it took off because so many people resonated with those three things. Um, and so I was like, I created a platform, like a private network off of like Instagram and TikTok, just so like female athletes could post in it. And that's called Female Athlete Society. And so then I created the Instagram account, um, kind of just to post resources that like I knew that I needed. Um, and so like I'll post about topics that include um, recruiting, taking care of yourselves, how to deal with like taking exams, exam, like how to make money while you're in college. If you're broke, like I was, yeah. part-time jobs. Um, how to deal with like communicating with coaches, all that stuff. And just like sometimes words of encouragement and those ones will be like, dear athlete. And then it goes into like saying like, you're doing so amazing. Like everything you're working for right now is going to be worth it. Blah, blah, blah. Those types of things. Um, And so I'm actually kind of transitioning that platform, not the Instagram, but the private community into um, a resource database so it'll be easier to just like scroll through, find it for like certain topics that I mentioned already. And then you've had articles at your expense. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I've yeah. uh, spent many of hours on that page, just such good content. So <laughs> thank you so much for all of that. It's, it's an awesome page. 
No problem. Thanks for the words. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to wrap it up, but you mentioned that you work three part-time jobs and I cannot just gloss over that. (laughs) Like what? So yeah. How did you do that? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I'm just kidding. So when I was at RIT, um, I had dealt with like so many things with my family growing up that I wanted to be not dependent on them anymore. So I wanted to make sure that like I had enough money to eat or to like pay for gas money, all that stuff. And so my freshman year, I got a job teaching little kids how to skate. So that was about like once or twice a week. Then I took notes because um, RIT was also the National Technical Institute for the Deaf, I believe, NTID. And so I took notes for those hard of hearing um, and deaf students in my class. And then the other thing was, oh, I wash athletes laundry, Um, dirty laundry. It's so much fun. No way. (laughs) I got paid to wash laundry and sit and do my homework. And then like at BU, I only worked one, but that was like all I could manage. And I did um, like ops. So like game ops and I would work like I would sweep at the basketball games or um, help pick up pucks or or not pucks, but like the balls at um, field hockey, all that stuff track and field events, everything. Gotcha. (laughs) Wow. Okay. That is, that's impressive. I think like um, the heart behind why you did it in terms of just wanting to be independent and not like dependent on other people. I think a lot of people can resonate with that. Just like needing to have your own money. I know not everyone's parents have the resources Mm -hmm. or families like have resources. And I think that's something that um, if you are a privilege where you do have that, you don't think about that. So that's really good to hear. And like, kudos to you for doing that. Cause I know it is tough. I mean, you're also a student athlete and you're a student, like there's so many things there. So kudos to you for doing that. Cause I know that probably wasn't easy. I appreciate it. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. The last question, if you could give any advice to a soon to be retired college athlete, given everything that you learned throughout your career, what would you tell them? Definitely start exploring other passions. Um, I think when you're a student athlete, you get caught up in being a student athlete and not so much putting yourself out there. Uh, and I think a big thing is like networking with other people in different industries, um, finding different passions. Like for me, I love doing photography and I loved reading and I love traveling. And so like when I graduated, I went on a three month backpacking trip throughout Europe Awesome. Yeah. And that was like super important for me because like it helped me find an identity outside of my sport. And then like along with that is just finding your next community if you're not going to keep playing because everyone needs one. It's just a matter of where you find it. So whether that's like a book club or um, finding a new gym, like I know a lot of athletes get into CrossFit, do something along those lines because you're going to miss competing. And so Mm -hmm. finding little ways to compete is really important. Yeah, definitely. I love that advice. I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I love chatting with you. This was really fun. And just kind of hearing your story, I feel like we have similar stories. So thank you so much for giving us your time today. All right, guys, that's all I have for today. I really enjoyed this conversation with Reagan. Please go check out Female Athlete Society. I'll have that linked in the description box below. Like I said in the podcast, they have great resources. So definitely go check them out. With that said, let's go ahead and hop into housekeeping. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. It means so much to me. If you'd like to get more involved in our community, please feel free to follow us on social media. 
We're everywhere, but definitely most active on Instagram and YouTube. Also, if you love what we're doing here and would love to give to us monetarily, feel free to give to us on Patreon. That's always linked in the description box down below. And in exchange for a recurring gift, you will get exclusive content about what's going on behind the scenes at RCA and early releases of different content. With that said, that is all I have for today. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week and I'll talk to you on Thursday for our solo cast.